In this episode of Ottawa Business Journal's Behind the Headlines, Waiting for Downtown Office Workers to Return, Salesforce Plants Its Flag in Canada, and a Creative Solution to the Pandemic-Induced Shortage of Home Exercise Equipment. All this and more coming up right now. Behind the Headlines is brought to you by Nelligan Law. Their profession is the law. Their product is peace of mind. Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week of May 24th, 2021. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Behind the Headlines is a regular podcast from OBJ to explore the biggest and most popular business stories of the day. I'm happy to have two of my colleagues from OBJ with me again here today, Peter Cavesi and David Sally. Hello to you both. Our first story uh, had they carried the headline, uh, Waiting for the Workers to Return. It was, uh, in fact, a column written by um, uh, Ron Corbett, who's a, a new columnist with OBJ, written a few columns for us at this point. Uh, the column was about the fact that Ottawa's downtown is largely uh, vacant, uh, certainly when it comes to workers. There are few people, uh, but not many for sure. Uh, downtown is looking at anything but normal. And Dave, I'm going to go to you for this uh, question first. Um, Dave, this has given kind of rise to uh, the legion of forgotten retailers. So, of course, if there are no workers downtown, that means all of those little coffee shops, little uh, retail boutiques, you know, they're they're basically getting no business. And in fact, some of them are, are temporarily closed. Tell us about what's happening in the uh, downtown core, Dave. Well, Mike, uh... In a couple of words, not much right now. Uh, <laughs> anybody who's taken a stroll downtown right now knows that, you know, typically you go downtown and on a, on a weekday afternoon, there's going to be tons of traffic on Bank Street, people walking around, milling around, especially in weather like this that we've had lately. Um, anybody knows right now who's been downtown that uh, it is not the case at all. Uh, it's pretty much uh, a desert when it comes to business traffic at the moment. And uh, as you mentioned, Ron Corbett, um, he talked to I uh, talked to some people about that, um, including uh, a, a businessman in the uh, in the Sun Life Financial Center, right on the corner of Bank and O'Connor. Normally, a building that has thousands of people flowing through it every day. Well, um, Mahmoud Syed is the uh, is the owner of uh, the Elegant Man Barber Shop. He's had the shop for 11 years. Um, and he told Ron that, you know, on a good day before the pandemic, uh, you know, he'd have easily 20 customers or more. Um, now, a really good day might be four customers. I mean, and a lot of days, he doesn't even get that. Uh, there's no one going through that, um, that business tower anymore. Uh, you know, it's basically been emptied out. Everybody's working from home. Um, you know, and he kind of, uh, feels, you know, like, uh, like he's kind of been forgotten right now. Uh, it's really hurt him and all kinds of, um, of his fellow biz business owners. Uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, Kevin McHale, uh, he's the executive director of the Spark Street BIA. He said, it's like two different worlds right now, downtown in the suburbs. Um, everybody's working out in the burbs now, and then you come downtown and uh, and it's just um, you can see see tumbleweeds practically blowing down the street, you know, uh, bore, um, shuttered businesses all over the place with paper in the windows. And uh, uh, the numbers 
are good. Um, uh, uh, Dean Caracasas from the uh, from the Building Owners and Managers Association noted that you know normally uh, there might be five percent um, uh, uh, um, you know you know a vacancy in downtown office towers now. Now you're looking at 25% uh, in, in terms of the workers that, that are missing. So it's just a huge, huge difference. Um, and, uh, and you know, what, what's gonna happen? Are more companies gonna, gonna keep moving out? We don't know. Uh, and for, for people, um, uh, for, for business people like, uh, like Syed, it's, it's been really tough. He hired somebody last March, just before the pandemic hit had to call him back a week later and say, sorry, uh, I don't need you. And he doesn't know, uh, he doesn't know what his future is going to be. And, um, uh, as it, like he says, it's out of my hands and, um, and I'm sure he is not the only one who's feeling that way right now. Mike. Uh, well, on the, uh, limited occasions when I'm downtown, I only see security car, uh, security cards walking around and, and unfortunately some homeless people. So that's, that's not a very, uh, great uh, situation downtown. You know, Peter, there's not really many answers when it comes to, you know, filling up, uh, the, the vaccines continue to roll out with, uh, with good momentum, but what are some of the strategies, uh, that we could be looking at downtown? Well, there's really, you know, I guess a short term and a long term uh, strategy. So in the short term, of course, the biggest tenant in the downtown core is the federal government. So what a lot of business advocates in the Spark Street BIA in particular are asking for is just some some communication, some messaging from the federal government about what a post-pandemic return to work might look like, uh, about how many people would come back, what would trigger some uh, the return to offices, just so businesses in the area can have a bit of, um, I guess, a, a bit of a glimpse into the future about what the downtown core might look like when it comes to the number of office workers. Um, long term, um, what what uh, what a lot of people are saying is that they need to, that uh, the downtown core needs more diversity. That um, we need more residents uh, to balance off uh, the office workers that uh, would be uh, would be there, uh, you know, in pre pandemic times. Now. I think all of us at one point in time have uh, written about, uh, you know, efforts to to try to get more people in the downtown core, you know, make it a twenty four seven place without, uh, you know, the uh, the dead time on uh, on on Saturdays and, uh, and and Sundays. So of course that is easier said than done. But you know, something I found really really fascinating, and you know, we talked about this prior to the pandemic, is that there were more than a few uh, Class C office buildings in the downtown core prior to the pandemic that were being converted into residential buildings which is really, really fascinating. And, you know, something we, we've all heard and, you know, talking to, to people is that um, the pandemic in a lot of cases accelerated some trends that were already underway prior to, to the arrival of COVID-19. So I think it's going to be really, really fascinating that if there is a permanent, you know, long-term um, reduction in the demand for office space, if that might spur some more conversions and finally, uh, I guess, really accelerate the uh, the rate at which new residents uh, are, are starting to live in the downtown core, which would uh, totally reshape uh, the, the identity of our uh, central business district. I'm really curious to see if those conversions will keep on happening, you know, because I, I think it's somewhat reasonable to expect there'll be some shrinkage in the need for downtown office space. And, and again, it might lead to more momentum uh, around those conversion from commercial to uh, residentials, you know, given the fact, you know, what's happening in the on the residential side. Uh, story number two, by the way, and let's let's move to that one, involves one of the world's biggest uh, software companies coming to Canada, sort of. 
um, California-based uh, Salesforce has signed up in a really interesting uh, project from Canada North uh, Business Association. Salesforce is going to not going to have a physical office, but it's going to be the sponsor of a new meeting and uh, hub, I guess is what they're calling it. Dave, tell us about what's happening out there at uh, in Canada North. Well, Mike, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Salesforce uh, doesn't currently have a presence in Canada. Um, and it is, uh, you know, it's it's certainly um, a sought after uh, commodity, so to speak. Uh, if you're the Canada North Business Association, you would love to have a company like Salesforce have a footprint in the Canada North Business Park. Uh, as you know, like it's a huge uh, company. Um, it's got that it's got that towering headquarters now in San Francisco, the tallest building in the city. Uh, down there, it employs fifty thousand people around the world as offices in Toronto and Vancouver, but not Ottawa yet. But um, the Canada North Business Association is hoping that its new partnership with Salesforce might lay the groundwork for, for, for Salesforce and other Silicon Valley um, tech giants to uh, set up shop in Canada North. So Salesforce recently uh, signed on as a, a, a three-year deal to sponsor um, uh, Hub 350, it's called. That's the new uh, sort of, you know, a, a collaboration um, space, uh, meeting space at uh, at uh, Mitel's former headquarters, actually, at 350 Leggett Drive. Hence the name Hub 350 is what they're calling it. Uh, so it's about a 12,000 square foot facility. And um, Salesforce, as a sponsor, is going to is going to be involved there. You know, they're going to feature prominently in the KNBA's marketing efforts for Hub 350. Uh, but they're also going to offer their expertise. They're going to probably provide seminars for uh, for KNBA members in the space, and um, and they're actually going to be involved in a new leadership council to, um, aimed at uh, chief information officers and chief technology officers uh, from Canada-based firms. So. Um, you know, uh, the KNBA is really hoping that that this kind of um, uh, kind of let's say is the first step uh, in in uh, in the in Salesforce's involvement in the tech park, which has of course more than 500 uh, tech firms down there right now, including a lot of big multinationals. Um, but you know, they're uh, they're really hoping that this might uh, might start a bit of a domino effect, might trigger some other companies from Silicon Valley to also take a look up here and say, hmm, there's a lot of, there, there, there's a lot going on in that Canada North Tech Park. Maybe we should be there. So, uh, and and the sponsorships keep coming uh, at Hub 350. Earlier this week, uh, Mitel actually also announced, um, not surprisingly, uh, since Hub 350 is in its former headquarters. So Mitel has also signed on as a, a sponsor and they're going to be involved in programming there as well. So Hub 350 is expected to open up later this summer, and um, and yeah, well, uh, hopefully there's going to be lots of uh, lots of good things to come and more collaborations. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more sponsorships announced uh, in the coming weeks uh, as well, Mike. Yeah, it, you know, it kind of plays into that uh, shared office space component. So it'd be neat for people in businesses and entrepreneurs in Canada North to come together on that hub. Listen, uh, Peter and Dave, before we explore our last story of the day, I want to bring in our legal expert from Nelligan Law, uh, one of our sponsors of Behind the Headlines. Uh, please welcome Brian Thaw, lawyer in the firm's real estate and development practice group. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for having me, Michael. 
Uh, listen, Brian, we were just talking a few minutes ago with a couple of our editors about how downtown Ottawa is looking very empty these days. You know, I made the joke that there's security guards wandering around and that's about uh, it. Um, and we know that, you know, vaccinations are rolling out and, and that there will be a gradual return to downtown offices. However, I think both of us could agree, Brian, that there's a possibility at least that there will be less commercial space needed by both private sector and public sector clients. That raises the question, Brian, about you know what landlords will do with that space if it's if it's underutilized. One idea, uh, Brian, that uh, I'm going to ask you about is that possibly some of this commercial space could be uh, transformed into residential space. Uh, any thoughts on that? You're exactly right, Michael. And I'm already starting to see it now, where commercial spaces are starting to be looked at especially older buildings where their natural life cycle is starting to come to an end, where instead of investing in just capital expenditures, they're thinking about, well, what can we do with this building beyond just commercial? And I think owners of these types of buildings, especially ones in the downtown core, are starting to say to themselves, well, maybe there's another use and, and that use is residential. Um, whether it is residential rentals, which I think will be the, the biggest uh, demand, or if, uh, owners of these buildings decide to condominiumize these buildings uh, so that they could sell off residential units down the road. Or another option, which I wouldn't be surprised if we also see, uh, is mixed use, which is converting the existing building into both a residential and commercial building. So it has multi-purpose for the, the owner of the building. That seems, you know, that seems to be a good idea too. It, you know, if the if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's to have multi-purposes for things because you never know when, you know, one of those purposes is going away. So, you know, an example uh, is that uh, we see some kind of hotels and uh, apartment buildings, right? So they'll have a mix of that. But Brian, what I, I also wanted to ask you about uh, something else that's going on in the city, and that is, you know, a um, a healthy debate about around the uh, city's official plan. So, um, you know, the city is looking way down the road in 2021 and seeing that uh, Ottawa's population could increase significantly to 1.4 million. So there is kind of an ongoing debate about, you know, where do we put all these new people? And that might play into some of these conversions. Uh, share, share your thoughts on that, Brian. Well, uh, in November, the city released its draft official plan. And in there, they said that they see this city growing by about 400,000 people between now and 2046. And one of the central tenets of the official plan is that they would like, the city would like 60% of that growth to be within the existing urban boundary and utilizing uh, infills within the city uh, instead of green fields or undeveloped farmland outside the urban boundary. So we so we have a couple, as you're indicating, we get a couple of trends here. We got a trend potentially for uh, less uh, commercial space, and and we have a city desire, right, for mixed use, more urbanization, and, and all of that. That's great. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Brian. We appreciate you sharing your legal advice with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Michael. All right, let's go to our third and final uh, story of this podcast episode. Uh, it involves uh, entrepreneurs pumping concrete. And, you know, when I say pump, imagine someone doing arm curls there. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting story. It's about two local residents who have a side hustle, as they say, to make custom uh, dumbbells and barbell plates. If you've been 
uh, involved in that world, you know that one of the things that you can't get, I mean, earlier in the pandemic was can't get toilet paper, and now you can't get gym weights. So uh, Peter, let's uh, bring uh, you back on the screen here and tell us about Garage Gym Guys. What a name. Well, you know, as, as you mentioned, this is just uh, another one that like the, the, the fascinating uh, and I guess not surprising until you really think about it, but um, the, the, the odd supply shortages that we've we've seen over the last year, you know, you said first was toilet paper. We, I think we've talked on this podcast about how tricky it was to get a bicycle earlier this spring. Now that, uh, you know, summer is uh, up, upon us. I know, Dave, you've been talking to some builders about uh, the, the shortage of lumber, um, but, you know, home gym, sorry, uh, gyms and fitness centers, they've been open, they've been closed, reduced capacity uh, for, for their, their customers. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. And that's pushed a lot of them uh, towards uh, setting up their own uh, home uh, home gyms, uh, their own home exercise uh, setups, which means that there's no equipment out, out there. Um, and so these two entrepreneurs, uh, they have backgrounds in project management. They couldn't get anything uh, online from the traditional uh, sources. And then they were just shocked at the resale prices that people were putting, uh, putting used uh, dumbbells and weights up on, on Kijiji. And they said... I'm sure we could do better than this. So they did a lot of experimenting with various uh, concrete uh, formulas, concrete molds before finally arriving on uh, on something. And uh, they're selling uh, these customized uh, weight kits. Uh, there's um, they, they tell me that what they're seeing online is weight selling for about three to six dollars a pound. They can sell theirs for a dollar fifty a pound and uh, offer all sorts of uh, customized uh, options. And so far, it's been a hit. Uh, they said that the first day that they started uh, advertising, uh, they they received some thirty orders totaling uh, two thousand dollars. What's going to be really interesting to see is uh, again, hopefully, you know, there there is some light at the end of the tunnels. The vaccines roll out. Whether this is going to be a permanent shift in consumer behavior. So again, I think you know we've all uh, heard of like Peloton, you know, and the the rise in the uh, the home exercise uh, world. So whether or not this is going to be a permanent shift, creating permanent opportunities, but for uh, garage gym guys, uh, they can't keep up with demand, and uh, they're actually looking at expanding into a, a new manufacturing facility. Well, we, uh, you know, we love entrepreneurs seeing opportunities and taking quick action. I think I've seen this on, uh, you know, social media platforms and that, you know, how to build your own uh, own weight. So, Dave, we're going to bid uh, adieu to you, but keep uh, Peter here. And uh, Peter, you're going to tell us about a, a big project, an annual launch that we have coming up in, in just a few days. So, you know, this is one of my favorite projects that we do every year, the uh, Welch LLP Ottawa Business Growth Survey. So earlier this uh, this spring, we went uh, out and surveyed uh, hundreds and hundreds of business leaders just about the opportunities for Ottawa in a post-pandemic economy, really focusing around the theme of how can Ottawa build back better. As well, we uh, asked questions about their business confidence, their outlook for their particular industry, how their company's financials uh, have uh, have fared over the uh, the last year, and a lot of questions um, about their, uh, their, their outlook look, uh, their, their office space needs, uh, even shifts in residential uh, real estate to demand. So we put all this together in a uh, in a report that's uh, currently being printed, and we're going to officially launch that on June the 3rd at a uh, virtual event that we're all working on uh, now. So we really encourage you, please go to obj.ca slash events to find all the information about the launch of the Ottawa Business Growth Survey. Uh, please register, attend the launch, and make sure to uh, get a copy either uh, in print or download the, uh, the digital edition on June the 3rd. It's it's going to be a great launch. Uh, you, you and and the team, Peter, have done a just a fantastic job 
at uh, putting that report together. We're very uh, eager to share it with uh, local business leaders. So that's all the time we have uh, for today. Uh, a reminder that this uh, podcast can be heard or watched in various ways. Uh, since uh, some of you might be watching this on YouTube, please be sure to like, subscribe, and click the little bell icon to get a notification on your mobile device or computer when we are live. You can also listen to the podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Twitch, uh, uh, so on and so forth. And I encourage you, of course, uh, if you're really, like us, passionate about local business, go to obj.ca website where we update uh, the uh, news, constant business news, local business news updated uh, throughout the day. And to make sure you never miss a headline, you can subscribe to our weekday, Monday to Friday, email newsletter, OBJ Today. On behalf of my colleagues, Peter Cavessi and David Solly, thank you for tuning in. Stay healthy and please stay connected. Bye-bye.